0: Welcome to r for r Conversations That Educate and Elevate. I'm Karen Conley, the Executive Director of Race for Reconciliation, and I am joined for a part two. I hope you checked out part one of my conversation with Jen Barnes. Jen, thank you so much for coming back for a part two.
1: Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, you are just such an encouragement in this space, and um, I wanted. We talked in our first session together a little bit about your background, your journey, how you ended up with a heart for this, and and then you've really ended up walking in a space very connected to the King Center and multiple organizations. Um, that really are striving to bring healing in this country, in race relations. Um, And so we talked about White Girl Awakening. Uh, You were the founder of that and just launched that ministry. But we really did not have a chance to talk about really current events, about 2020. And um, you and I had some conversations offline of just what a, a hard year this has been. Um, And I think maybe just as a a place to start this conversation, um, what are the the two or three things that have encouraged you? I think this is such a heavy topic. We're gonna start with the encouragement. Is there anything that you can think back in this year um, as we have just gone through painful situation after painful situation in race relations in this country? Anything from that 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 you see as a spark of hope that we can build on?
1: Yeah, I think I'm encouraged even through the difficulty Mm -hmm. that more and more people are paying attention Mm -hmm. to what has kind of laid laid dormant, Mm -hmm. maybe. It's always been there, Um, but especially people within the white community, it seems like there are more questions than ever before there's more of an openness it seems like this new generation coming up we've talked about your daughter and Mm -hmm. I have a lot of relationships with you know college age and below um, young people who just seem to get it in a different way and and I'm so hopeful for this next generation who has been somewhat removed from the tension of the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. um, all the way through kind of where we are now. We've had some instances this year who have that have felt a whole lot like what I imagine the 60s felt like. Right. Wasn't alive then, but I imagine um, that's pretty it's been somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this younger generation of white people raise themselves up and say, why are we confused here about who matters? And, um, you know, asking more progressive questions Mm. seemingly having the answers already. So I'm just really hopeful for um, where we have the potential to go
0: as a people. In your work with the King Center, your work with White Girl Awakening, um, you've been in the trenches this year in a lot of Um, Yes, professionally, but probably even more importantly, personally, um, in the trenches, walking with um, people of of color and in the the heat of all of this. When you think about the tragedies of 2020, um, what is it that you think needs to happen that will help move us forward and, and bring unity as opposed to more polarization and more division?
1: I think we as a people have to have a commitment to truth Mm -hmm. more than anything else. And when I say truth, I mean, not being so in love with the sensationalization of all of these like real Pains that exist um, within our society and with, within so many people who live within it. Mm-hmm. The sensationalization of the pain that real people are going through, I think, is one of the big, biggest tragedies of what's happening right now. And so there is no part of this work I consider to be my profession. Mm-hmm. It's only authentic relational work mm-hmm. that. Is desperately needed within our society. Um, so I I think a commitment to truth mm-hmm. is something that we must connect with, mm-hmm. and then the pathway to truth. We need to be reminded mm-hmm. of what it looks like to educate ourselves um, to look at all sides of an issue to listen to those who aren't just like us we're doing ourselves a disservice Mm -hmm. when when we dig deeper into echo chambers and just decide oh we're just going to live here Mm -hmm. Um, because that in and of itself is denial it's not possible it's not sustainable
0: you've used the word sensationalism and echo chamber a couple of times Elaborate on, on just what you mean and, and why those need to be just red flags to us.
1: An echo chamber is, is kind of like the preaching to the choir. It's the um, the way we protect ourselves and hedge ourselves in by surrounding all our enti- the entirety of our life with people who think like us, look like us, act like us, vote like us, believe like us, we have this tendency to encapsulate ourselves in an attempt to make us feel more secure and comfortable when it's very apparent that nobody is, is actually secure right now. Mm-hmm. We are actually in, in a very dangerous time in history and I'm wondering if people are actually pa- are paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. Or are you burrowing in to these echo chambers who aren't really safe because there's stuff swirling around them, right. um, and and choosing denial over truth. So e- that's what I mean by echo chamber. Oh.
0: Yeah,
1: and, and that's the sensationalism. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no.
0: Go ahead and answer that. That's great on sensationalism.
1: The sensationalism. I, I'm not giving an educated answer here. I'm just coming from my perspective from what I feel and sense and experience from day-to-day life, the mainstream media, the, um, the outlets that we go to for information, um, the way that we choose to engage one another now through social media and virtual. And um, there's this disconnectedness in all of those, Mechanisms from this humanity, and there's a tendency to make an issue that is really a, an a injustice or um, a source of pain for people into like a political topic or uh, a political agenda, so it becomes a thing instead of about a, a person who's experienced pain Mm -hmm. or a whole collective group of people experiencing pain. Mm -hmm. And so sensationalism is really dangerous to me right now because it's, it's helping drive this, this tendency to dehumanize Mm -hmm. people and, and turn their humanness into issues Mm -hmm. or voting dockets or you know we're in the middle of voting season so i'm thinking about the election and all the narratives that are going on um so that's what i mean by sensationalism so just
0: I i think you bring up such an important point and you know in you know even in the the polling and the things i somewhere heard the other day it was like well you know back in April there was just this move of people interested and caring and engaged and concerned but now as time has gone by you know that that has ebbed and that there's more people that are kind of taking a step back um is is that a concern of yours in terms of this just the trajectory of of because of the sensationalism, or is that, is that, again, something that the, just the media is projecting that you would say, no, that's not the case?
1: I do think people are disengaging. Mm -hmm. I think sensationalism drives people into their denial zone, which is the echo chamber. Mm -hmm. It's, and it's, it's not necessarily a matter of, I'm going to my echo chamber because I don't care about everyone else who doesn't exist within it. It's a, I don't know how to deal with the heaviness and the weight of what's going on in the world around me. And I'm just trying to find a sanctuary somewhere in this world. And what it comes in the white community, when we do that, people of color feel like it's a lack of concern or of. You know, we don't care about you when it's really like we're not understanding what's happening right now mm-hmm. in most cases right. i I just want to say being in the middle of the work uh, in most cases, it's really just like, no, I'm just trying to find my place in this world where I can feel safe with all this sensationalism that's going on around me mm. and what's real and what's not right because if if there is real pain the majority of white people who are, especially are within the church that I know would want to engage it, Mm. Mm. but it distracts from the real issues that are going on and affecting people's everyday lives.
0: If, if, if you don't take anything else from this podcast, um, I, I hope that you heard what Jen just, just referenced because If we um, and and again, speaking from a majority white culture, it is so easy when it just the noise gets so loud and it's been going on so long. It is almost self-preservation of just I've got enough problems in my own life that I just don't have any more capacity to sort through and figure this out. And then we go back to our reverting to either not caring or just acting like we don't care. It, it appears we don't care and we're not engaging. And, and what Jen just said, and I would just be my encouragement to every single person, regardless of your race, is to keep this on a human level, um, to keep this on how do we love one another, and um, Jen, you referenced um, the church and people of faith um, as an organization. We we know that this affects every racism is not just a Christian issue, but as you bring that up, um, the the faith community is a huge influence in in all societies. And that's that's very true here. What do you think the role of the church is specifically in? in this conversation i think the
1: church has the primary role Mm -hmm. specifically in the united states on the issue of race Mm -hmm. i believe the church has the primary role Mm -hmm. and i am not saying the you know what we refer to as the black church or the white church or i just mean the church as a whole Mm -hmm. has the solutions within its tenets Mm-hmm. That if they are carried out and and lived out authentically would create a roadmap for the rest of the world to follow. And I think that the lack of engagement from the faith community historically and even so now has perpetuated this for so long. I mean, in the 60s, Dr. King was talking about the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning being the most segregated hour in America. And you do now today have various diverse churches in every community just about now, but it's still a pretty segregated hour, you know, in America. And so he, what he was saying then is still true. Now Mm -hmm. Um, he, he talked about the, White moderate, Mm -hmm. the one who's kind of silent and just sliding into their echo chamber, um, being more painful, causing more pain to the black community than the vehement racists who were really verbal and vocal Mm -hmm. because the verbal and vocal people were getting the microphone and driving the narrative. But the masses of good willed white people who just kind of remained silent, could have overthrown, you know, these louder voices that they didn't even probably agree with.
0: Mm -hmm. Jen, you, you bring up Dr. King and, and really, um, with all of your work at the King center and, um, with Dr. Bernice King, um, I know these are probably things you've already thought of, um, many, many times before, but, what do you think, if, if, if Dr. King were here today, what would his talking points be? What do you think that he would want to say to, to this generation? Oh, my gosh. That's,
1: nobody's ever asked me a question like that. <laughs> I've heard people ask Bernice before. Mm-hmm. Um, I really truly believe the more I study his work, he's already said it. Yeah. And he was such a prophetic voice Mm. that was a gift to to us even now. Mm. The Mm. things he said then Mm -hmm. are still so applicable today. And so he had such a fierce belief in the power of love Mm and and then he he defined what love looked like it wasn't this anemic sentimental feeling mm-hmm. it was the the type of thing that would drive you through a feeling into an action because you knew it was right mm-hmm. no matter what it cost you and so i think today we're so driven by emotions and um there is a there is a sentimentality about this idea of love that we carry in society and I I think we need a revolution of uh, and a reconnection to this love that Dr. King demonstrated while he was here that would bless a woman who stabbed him literally in the heart or um, who would uh, walk into a room with a president who he knew was completely against you know what he was working towards, mm-hmm. um, but he would always leave that person with their dignity, no matter how much he disagreed with them mm-hmm. he He would never take a person's dignity away um, so there's a way in which we communicate there is a way in which we Um, demonstrate our perspective. And it seems like we've just lost all sense of that. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the dignity of others and and what it means to leave someone with it, even when you disagree with them. Um, So I would just encourage, I could probably continue to go on and on and on about various examples through studying him that I draw on every day
0: Mm -hmm. and,
1: you know, I'm still learning and I fail, um, all the time, and just this week, I had a situation um, come up, we're at the beach, and and I I didn't get what I wanted from a service person, and um, I came back and told Bernice about it, because she was in the house, and, and she said, you know, you just need to start over with them, and uh, you know, go back over there, and this is what you need to say, and I'm like, I, I'm not there yet, and I still haven't gone back to that person because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet, yeah, um, but i'm I'm going to do it before I leave this week because I, I know I have to um, develop the muscles inside to make a mistake and then go start over mm. Mm. and not just give up and shut the door. Um, you know, these are the things that that generation I'm so afraid to lose them all, and mm. this year we've lost several especially civil rights leaders. We had, um, John Lewis who passed away and then CT Vivian on the same day. Um, we've lost so many people in that generation this year. Um, and there was a strength, a quiet strength that, uh, it we're
0: going to have to find the way to work those muscles Mm. Mm. and develop well jen i i love um i love the the just how real and authentic and specific that that you are just in your conversation because i think that's if there's a takeaway you know race for reconciliation we're going to do events uh we want to bring people together whenever covid will allow Uh, we want to be a part of the education process. That's our platform, um, is to educate and elevate. Our platform is to raise money to deal with some of the systemic issues, but all of that pales to awakening people. Um, and again, some very well-meaning people, but it's, it's the, the, the old quote of all it takes for evil to flourish is for good people to do nothing. Um, and so To take this just to a very relational level, like you said, sometimes it's the courage to say maybe I've messed up in a relationship or there's been some, you know, disagreement or something with somebody, but that I'm going to care enough to go back. I'm going to care enough to, you know, in the future, know that, hey, leaving someone with dignity, that term that you used is a value that I'm gonna apply to every single person in my life and I'm gonna move outside of the group that looks like me and talks like me and votes like me and and open the door to learn and to grow and to have um, a perspective that I didn't. And so thank you for bringing just the the importance of humanity and relationship. That is the only way that this problem will really be solved. Um, as we're kind of wrapping up this particular episode, um, is there anything from your journey that you would say oh, if I could sit down with someone and 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 have a cup of coffee and say these this is what you need this is something I've learned in this journey that would help you you know stand on my shoulders and continue to to build into your health into your community what would be those things that that you wish that you could say well I, in the context of
1: race for reconciliation i'm a runner mm-hmm. i want to be able to insert that in this and and this is part of why i really love uh this organization and what you're doing because um we have to be whole as individuals mm-hmm. In order to start tapping into how do we be a part of the solution for this collective Mm. dilemma that we find ourselves in, this lack of wholeness collectively Mm -hmm. that we're experiencing. And so, um, the biggest thing in my journey has been to ensure that I am whole within myself, that I am becoming whole daily, and that I'm taking time to really have a good relationship with myself so that I can give good relationship to others. And part of that journey for me has been my daily runs. That is how I start my day. Sometimes I have to take off in the middle of the day and go for a run because I I have to clear my head and I need that space and time to get my body moving. Our physical health is so connected to our emotional and spiritual and mental health. And, um, we, this is a critical component, this, um, need to get out and move and exercise as we're changing our minds. You have various professionals in the, um, field of mental health who will tell you that when you're trying to change thought patterns, if you incorporate movement into the changing of thought patterns, it helps those patterns change and shift. And so if you're doing something like running while you're changing your mind about something, it's helping reprogram what triggers your mind to think certain ways. Hmm. And so I, wanna, I would say the importance of um, exercise and physical um, health in this work is absolutely critical. And I don't know of any organization that's spotlighting and highlighting that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will follow up with resources on that one component because I think that this community particularly is going to be extremely curious um, to know more about it.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I think it goes back to just the humanity that you talked about. For us to be the people that we want to be, we have to be healthy and have to have those those key components in our life that allow us to be at our best so that we can then step forward and care about somebody else from a place of health. And so, um, so yeah, that's a fantastic um, way for us to wrap up this. Um, And I just wanna encourage everybody, if you have not checked out White Girl Awakening, to go to the website and check out, um, this is what Jen has founded and really is a great voice in this space. Um, as we all partner together to really make a difference and bring healing, honor, and hope um, to our culture in a way that needs it now um, as much as ever before, and maybe more so than ever before. So Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Give us your website one more time, or if somebody wants to reach out and learn more about White Girl Awakening, where should they go?
1: whitegirlawakening.com. That's where you can find it all. But we have a Facebook page, a Twitter page, Instagram. I think we even have a TikTok, but I'm not technologically literate, but whitegirlawakening.com. That's where you can find us. All right.
0: Listen, thanks so much for taking time out of your world to speak with us. And um, we're just excited to see how you are going to continue to make a difference and have a good one. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode.